Today is Wednesday, January 13th. The title for our devotional is The Basis for Civil Obedience. Most of the time, Romans 13 comes up in discussions around civil disobedience. That is to ask when are Christians justified in disobeying the law. This text certainly has a lot to say to that, but let's first see what it is saying before we see what it is not saying. Romans 13, 1-7 says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. The primary statements of this paragraph are found in verses 1, 5, and 7. Paul says in verse 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 5, he repeats everything that he said in the previous few verses, Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And then in verse 7 he applies it, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. You'll note in verse 1 that Paul directs this imperative to, quote, every person. No one is then exempt from this imperative. Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. The verb be subject implies not a blind obedience to every command, but a general disposition. So right off the bat here, this is not an American value. Being told to submit does not sit well with us, and we begin to think of extraordinary circumstances to justify our rebellious mindset, and sometimes behavior. We glorify revolution and idolize those who retaliate against tyrants. But is this thinking the result of the transformed and renewed mind, or is it a result of conformity to the thinking of this age? I'm not saying that there isn't a time for civil disobedience. I certainly think that there is. But Christians need to exercise great caution and wisdom, holding each situation up to the lens of Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit before we go there. It is no small matter to violate this imperative to be subject to the governing authorities. The case for civil obedience, and disobedience I guess for that matter, is found in Paul's basis for his argument. His basis for submitting to governing authorities is ultimately found in God. Those governments and leaders ultimately have authority because God, as the sovereign authority of the universe, has given it to them. Not that they will always do what he wants, that is, 
as Paul says here, punish evil and reward good, but he has willed them to come to power in some capacity. Since God is the ultimate authority and the governing authorities have their authority rooted in God's will, we should then submit to them. However, since God is the ultimate authority, we serve a higher authority in God's law. Therefore, in cases where the governing authorities are demanding Christians disobey the law of God, Christians can be justified in civil disobedience. So, if our government passes a law that requires us to violate the dignity of another image bearer of God, Christians are justified in civil disobedience. Or, as is the case with Paul, if the governing officials arrest you for preaching Jesus in obedience with the command of Jesus, Christians are not obligated to comply. See Acts 5.29. But, as is the case in the context at Rome during Paul's writing, high taxes is not a cause for civil disobedience. High taxes does not violate the law of God in any way. So Christians are obligated to comply. Interestingly, in verse 5, Paul makes the argument that this mindset of Christians is not merely a matter of avoiding consequences, that is, not only to avoid God's wrath, but as a matter of conscience, he says. So, submitting to the governing authorities is not just a pragmatic thing. Some argue that Paul here tells them to submit because he knows if they cause disturbances, Rome will crush the infant Jesus movement. This is probably true. But that is not the sole basis for his argument. Paul believes submitting to governing authorities should be a matter of conscience for Christians. That is, it is just the right thing to do. For additional content today, I've included in our audio a portion of the Gospel Coalition's podcast on the Christian basis for civil disobedience. In this conversation, we're going to hear snippets of a conversation between Tim Keller, Albert Moeller, and John Yates. It's from 2012, so it's a little dated, but I think the content, what they have to say here, is still good and certainly applicable to today. Enjoy. If you were to go back just several years, it's unlikely that many evangelicals would actually be anticipating having to ask the question about civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. But looking at the present, and especially even the short and moderate term looking at the future, a good number of Christians are beginning to wonder, what do we do when the regime actually turns hostile to, to Christian conviction and even uh, intrudes upon Christian and uh, religious liberty? I think it's a very important question, good one for us to discuss, uh, not just in hypothetical terms, but kind of putting ourselves on the line as to how we're actually thinking through these things, anticipating some very real challenges. Tim, where are you on this? Well, the safe uh, way of academically, you know, yeah. theoretically, you say the safe way to say when, when do Christians have to do civil disobedience is when you're commanded to do something that the Bible forbids. Uh, so in China, if you say um, after you've had one child you, and you get pregnant again, you must have an abortion. That's a great textbook case almost for what, where Christians would say, I have to disobey the state. Because it's one, you, you could say we need to do civil disobedience to protest the legality of abortion in this country. And yet a person could come back and say, but the law is not forcing you to sin. It's allowing other people to sin, but it's not forcing right. you to sin. So should you do civil disobedience? And that's, that's a debate. But there's no debate when it comes to the law actually uh, 
uh, enjoining what the Bible forbids or forbidding what the Bible enjoins. And so you have, you know, in Acts, when, uh, you know, when the apostles are told not to, God, to preach the gospel, they, they disobey the civil authorities by preaching the gospel. And if any part of what would be normal Christian teaching from the Bible would be deemed hate speech illegal, that's when we'll have to disobey. So, and the, the prospects of that are not all that unlikely at this point. When would you tell your people, all right, here is the, here's the fire break. Here's where we simply can't go. Uh, we have been offended by many things in the past, but at, at this point, we're saying that, that we're willing to, to draw the line here. Is that something you kind of know? You spoke to this earlier, but in other words, where does that happen? Where do you see it? Where do you anticipate it would happen? Uh, it's a little hard to predict. I mean, I, you, some of you know that, um, that the uh, city of New York, unlike almost any other place I know in the mm -hmm. country, has, has made a distinction between worship and mm -hmm. speech. So right. what they've decided is that if, uh, if, a, if you're a church and you're trying to rent a public school for worship, even though all these other groups can rent the school um, for a variety of reasons, and we, we, you know, we're, uh, the, the, um, the city of New York said, oh, we, we're not against free speech. Of course, they couldn't have said that. They would have been shut down. But worship's different. Uh, worship is something very different. They actually said, when you worship, it's, it's not freedom of speech. It's uh, you're essentially taking over the building and turning it into a sacred space, and that's mixing up church and state. It was a very, very strained argument. And yet I do know that when we who, we knew some of the legislators and the people we had elected, city council and all that, when some of us went to these meetings and heard the hostile statements coming out of our elected officials uh, toward evangelical churches, which they see, saw as, as, as very, very, uh, as inva an invasion mm -hmm. of, their, of their place. It was, a lot of us went away shaken by that. Um, suddenly saying, wait a minute, you know, we're voters and we have, we thought of ourselves as participants and co-citizens and we go back and forth and we, we win some, we lose some, but we never felt that we were being targeted or that we really were seen as the enemy. I don't think that means yet civil disobedience. I don't think so. it does mean that yet. I mean, it, in some ways I think we're supposed to be willing to suffer. It, it, yeah. it means being unpopular and uh, I'm still at the place where I think that it's when I'm, it's when we are being commanded by the state to, to do something we're forbidden to do, or forbidden right. to do something we're commanded to do. That's easy. I don't see before that. I guess I have a little bit of a temperament that says, I, um, you know, I look at Romans. I look at Paul talking about obeying the state. It was a considerably more hostile state. To say the least. To say the least. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think for Christians to get their backs up and start to make all sorts of uh, incredible protests, we're just so f freaked out and offended that they're no longer uh, respecting us Christians anymore. And I think that's, we, have to, we have to avoid that. Well, the reason I ask yeah. the question that way is because I want to warn Christians from drawing lines in the sand in anticipation. 
and saying, if that happens, then we're out of the process. Because, you know, we have to go, indeed, from the early chapters of the book of Acts to Romans 13 and and recognize that if the state says you can't preach the gospel, then I'm willing to say right now, that's the line. (laughs) But the problem with drawing policy issues as as, as issues of of declaring the regime to be illegitimate is that uh, Romans 13 really doesn't give us a whole lot of ground for that. Uh, he was, we're talking about Caesar who claimed to be God. In, yeah. in, 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 and so what we have in Romans 13 is Paul saying, yes, but even then, in a fallen world, God has given government as an institution to uphold righteousness, to punish the evildoer, etc. So we need to stay in the process. Right. And, and so th- th- that's the encouragement I'm trying to give, is to say, yeah. because I hear conservative Christians who want to do the right thing who will say, if that happens, I can't go there. And the first thing I want to say is, well, you're more complicit with the regime right now than you think. I mean, right now, your taxes are paying for all kinds of things that right. you would find abhorrent if you actually follow those tax dollars. Now, you'd, you'd, I'm not saying you'd be satisfied with that. That's why you stay active in the, in the political sphere as a citizen. But at the same time, if, if you're actually going to declare yourself the enemy of the regime, first of all, you better be ready for the regime to consider you an enemy. But you also better be sure it's actually for the cause of the gospel and, right. and not something that, that we're going to put as a, as a priority to, uh, to make us an enemy of the state prior to that. We honor those, uh, those three Hebrew young men who went into the fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we're thankful for Daniel who re- refused to bend the knee to the idol. And we know that we have to stand there too, just like the apostles before the Sanhedrin. At, at the same time, those were issues of idolatry. They were issues of being enjoined from preaching the gospel and naming the name of Jesus. And uh, we, we know these other issues are so important. We really do. I, I want to be very clear. I believe these issues are extremely important. And, and there, are, there are acts of civil disobedience short of declaring yourself the enemy of the regime. And, and that's where, you know, in the civil rights movement and in other things, you had people willing to make demonstrative actions to say, this is wrong. We want to draw your attention to it. We're willing to be arrested for this. And you'll right. notice that one of the things the civil rights leader said was, we are not rejecting the legitimacy of the regime. We yes. want to influence the regime. We're willing to suffer for that, but we are not making ourselves the enemy of the regime, of the government. Right, because in a sense, it's passive. It's just a way of, uh, it, it wasn't attacking. Yes. I mean, obviously, the, when, you, when you deliberately are trying to attack and undermine, mm-hmm. in some ways, to show, I, I remember I read a book uh, on the theology of Martin Luther King Jr. a year or so ago, and I uh, it was very illuminating. The, uh, he got the idea from Gandhi, of course, to some degree. I don't know to what degree he, he'd said that. Forgive me if, there, if I'm saying something that's unorthodox. But uh, there's a sense in which that shows respect by being willing to let yourself be arrested. Um, it shows a kind, it shows respect and yet a, a, a very, very forceful statement to the powers that be as well. Uh, you're not. You're not, frankly, getting out a gun and, and uh, taking over a government building and demanding uh, ransom or things like that. And you, you're showing respect. At the same time, you're really calling them on them to see illegitimacy of certain laws, right. but not the illegitimacy of the whole thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't turn yourself in. So I actually thought that was a, a very important and, and intriguing to see. Right. Uh, nevertheless, I'm not sure. In some ways, it can be overused too. I'm not sure that uh, there, 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 because the civil rights movement had such moral authority and power, and 
success, there is an awful lot of other people uh, wanting to Indeed. use that sort of thing, you know, protesting and getting arrested. And you do wonder, they may, it may make you feel incredibly noble. It makes, me, it makes you wonder whether it's really all that effective. There's something I want to say. You know, culture is certainly changing. And biblical Christians are feeling themselves um, not as well understood, not as well accepted. The, the, the climate is changing. We all feel it. As we face um, more opposition through the culture or even from our own government, I think one thing that does is it clarifies our thinking about what really matters and what doesn't matter. And it forces us to think about what is the role of church in society. And well, let's face it, we've been pretty superficial in our faith for a long time here in the American church. And as we face opposition, it's going to cause us to begin to think more seriously about our faith. And I, I think uh, um, it gives us a deeper sense of um, awareness of the Christians around the world who are truly persecuted for the yeah. hard things that yeah. they endure. Um, and I, I must say, <laughs> when the judge's ruling came down and he said, all your money, all your buildings, they're gone, I, there was something in me that said, wow, maybe I am a Christian after all. You know, I mean, there's, there's something about identifying with that sense of opposition that might be good for us. Yes. This year has forced me, and hopefully you as well, to clarify my thinking around the relationship of the church to the state, particularly around when it is appropriate for Christians to participate in civil disobedience. In light of this text, carefully consider the situations in which you are justified in civil disobedience. Also, consider what actions of civil disobedience are justifiable according to the ethic of Jesus. We should not take this lightly. The state of our soul is at stake here, as politics is an idol many in the evangelical church are wrestling with today. Our character and our witness to the culture around us is also at stake. Think deeply on this. Search the scripture and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. <laughs>